Welcome to the InvestorMail Women of Action show. I am so excited for today's show because it is jam-packed with information. My guest today is Ashley Kerr and you may recognize her because she is the co-host of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Rookie Podcast. She's going to be sharing with you tons of tips on how to grow your portfolio, how to take care of the property management or outsource it, how to house hack and so much more. But before we get started, I would very much appreciate it if you can subscribe to the channel and hit the bell to be notified every time I release a brand new video. Now let's get started. Ashley, welcome to my show. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, it's been great to to meet you on Instagram and social media and now to finally have a conversation together. Yes, I agree. We uh, we met on the Bigger Pocket show with Steven Rosenberg. We had an interview and I met you a little bit there, but I didn't get a chance to know you too much. So I'm so excited to hear about your journey. I know that you're doing amazing things. So Ashley Care, please introduce yourself and a little bit about your your history. Sure. So right now I am the co-host of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Rookie podcast, which I love doing. I get a front row seat to interviewing rookie investors and hearing their motivation, inspiration, and their successes. But before all that, I started investing in 2013. I was working for an investor as a property manager for about two years at that point. And I had that light bulb moment where it was, why can't I do what he's doing? So I, I actually partnered with his son and bought a duplex and that was my first property. And from there, I've just uh, gone full-time real estate investor and enjoying every minute of it. Oh, that's fantastic. That's great. That's great. Now, where are you investing now? What does your portfolio look like now? And, and how did you get to that point from, you know, from, from being a rookie to, to, to doing this full-time? Yeah, so I, um, I started with uh, buying duplexes. And right now I have about 32 units. And I've recently made the, the switch to commercial. So I have a, a self-storage facility under contract and a mobile home park under contract. And unfortunately, I think the, the self-storage contract is going to fall through, but I still have hope for a couple more days. So maybe that's something we can touch on later today too. <laughs> right, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so wow, I already have so many questions for you. So, okay, so you started off with residential. What made you decide to explore commercial and, and even storage and mobile unit and all of that as well. Yeah. So the biggest thing for me was I looked at the acquisition of the properties. So for every single family, every duplex, triplex, quadplex, it took so much work and effort and time into acquiring that property. So getting it under contract or first even analyzing it, getting it under contract, making an offer, negotiating, then you know, getting insurance on it, switching the utilities, you know, making, uh, getting tenant estoppel agreements, all these things. And so I looked at it and I thought, you know what? I should be going out buying bigger properties because each acquisition takes so much time and work. Why not do that same amount of work for one big property? And obviously with commercial, you have to do a little bit more due diligence, but I, I wanted to kind of make more use out of my time. So instead of buying five duplexes and juggling five different acquisitions, buying one large um, commercial building and having one acquisition piece. So that was kind of my first mindset. And then I have had such an awesome opportunity to really connect and network with other investors. 
So I have um, uh, an investor who's been kind of mentoring me and he has a lot of expertise and experience in mobile home parks. And I just happened to get a phone call one day from a friend from high school that said, I know you're an investor and I know somebody that's selling a mobile home park. Do you want to look at it? And I said, yes. So it really just fell into my lap. And um, the mentor, he's actually going to to help me do this deal. So that's why I felt comfortable with it. And then for the, the self-storage facility, it's actually right ne- next to another property that I own. Okay. Um, and that was brought to me by a broker. And it's in an area where I have a lot of deals already. That's great. I feel that often as investors, we we have limited beliefs and that's kind of seems what happens as well that certainly was how i was as well i wanted to start small and thinking well i don't want to get into the 10 flex or the 20 flex or more and then i realized that this can actually save me time because exactly you only have to have one inspection done instead of getting 20 done for the same amount and although the time that it takes to close in a property from my experience takes a little mm-hmm. longer because there's yeah. even more due diligence <laughs> what has been uh your your biggest benefit from from deciding to to do this full-time because you were not always a full-time real estate investor correct yeah i actually when i graduated college i graduated with an accounting and finance degree and i started working at a cpa firm and I lasted six months there before I decided I wanted to quit. And I quit, I put in my two weeks notice and I was gonna get pregnant and be a stay-at-home mom. And that's what I was gonna do. But then uh, this investor, he approached me and said, I just need help, I need help getting organized. And what he meant by that, and I didn't even realize was he had a 40 unit apartment complex he wanted me to run. Uh, so it started out part-time, I could work from home. It was great, but I had knew nothing about property management. I could keep the books on the property. I could collect the rent. I knew how to manage the money. Uh, but as far as lease agreements, you know, rules and regulations, laws, compliance, uh, dealing with tenants, I had no knowledge about that. And I had to create all these systems. So I actually built him a property management company and uh, we grew to about uh, 120 units. Um, so we had uh, two 40 unit apartment complexes and then the rest were commercial units. And I was managing those on my own. And then his, uh, the investor's daughter started working for me part-time a couple days a week. And it got really overwhelming. Plus I had my own portfolio on the side too that I was managing in a separate property management company that I created for myself. And so there is many years where it was very, very busy for me, many, many late nights, a lot of time away from my kids and my husband. So um, I decided uh, February, or actually I decided in the the fall of 2019 that I did not want to work for this investor anymore. And I didn't want to do property management at all. So we came to an agreement. If I could find a property management company to take over, he would let me go. So I spent a lot of time that fall interviewing property management companies and uh, finally hired one that took over in February 2020. So they took over his properties and took over my properties. But I will say that once I gave everything up to the property management company, I went into the sense of like, wow, this is like a great relief. I feel really relaxed. Um, I did have a lot of a hard time giving up control because these were like my babies yes. <laughs> and sending them off to somebody else. And so, but once I did, I was like, wow, this is really great. But then I got too relaxed. I got, I enjoyed it too much, not having any responsibility. And then I, a couple months later, it was like, wow, okay. I still need to keep my, my pulse on things. The 
as great as the property management company is, they're not, it's not their babies. They're not going to, you know, be as stingy on pricing as I am, or they're not going to care if a turnover takes a little bit longer than I would want. And so um, I had to, to really get into that asset management role per se and, and learn how to do that. Ashley, we have so much in common because it was the same thing. We used to be very, very hands-on. We did everything with yeah. our property management and I loved it at first and I learned so much mm-hmm. until it became not fun anymore and I was yeah. overwhelmed. And then I hired somebody internally to take care of it. And and I think that's exactly it. I, I loved it so much that it became a little bit too hands-off. <laughs> but then you're right. It's, it's still your business and you still have to make sure that things are getting done in timely fashion because if places aren't getting rented that can be accumulative once you do that times five or times ten and and whatnot so how do you control that do you get reports of people who are thinking hey i want to outsource my property management uh, to somebody else what tips would you give them yeah so the first time the first thing is take your time finding someone don't rush into it i think i met with this property management company four times before i actually hired them I went out and I connected on actually the bigger pockets forums with somebody who worked in their maintenance department and got some inside scoop as to what was going on. And I, um, I really, so take your time, interview them, uh, research questions to ask them ahead of time. Just don't go into meeting them blindly, find out exactly what their fees are. Um, because sometimes there's a lot of different fees. Uh, there's a, maybe a project management fee for any remodels they do on a turnover. There might be um, an emergency maintenance call or after hours fee or things like that, that really can start to add up if you don't know what those are. So definitely make sure you know how they operate. Take a look at their their lease agreement, their property management agreement. Look for you know little hidden things in there that may not be bad things. Uh, for example, in my property management contract, it says that if I sell the property, they must be the broker on the sale of the property. And for me, that worked out great. I just recently sold one and it was the best experience I've ever had in my life. But you, I just want you to be aware that there's things in there that you could be tied down to. Um, so I think really just taking your time, looking into it, doing research and talking to more than one property management company, and then also referrals. Don't just rely on the, the people that um, they say to talk to, go out and do some research, look at their listing. So most have a website where it says what units are available for rent that they have vacant. Look at the address, pull up the property records, look who the owner is, send them a letter, call them and, you know, hey, say, you know, you found uh, their information on the website and you're just wondering how the property management company is and going through a turnover with a property management company will really show you a lot too. So this owner will be able to, to give you some feedback. And those are amazing tips, Ashi, and thanks for sharing that. Now, throughout your journey of doing the property management for other people, I'm sure that you've learned as well so much. You probably saw the good, the bad, the ugly of, of, uh, of renting and all of that. What would be some strategies or some tips as well that you would share if somebody's thinking, I'm not ready to let go of my property management. I want that control to start off with. And that's very normal at first. What would be some tips for that, that you've learned that you implemented when you were doing the property management of the properties that you were managing in your own as well? The first thing would be property management software. I mean, that is an amazing tool and there's, 
it's there's so many out there now so every yeah and just in the last couple of years that industry has really grown and you can get them uh usually for a very very affordable price or if not free if you're just starting out and only have a couple properties so definitely take advantage of that um, a lot of them even come with sample lease agreements sample emails that could be sent out all these different um, types of forms and letters and then just um taking or using stessa too stessa is a great tool for kind of asset management it's not gonna collect your rent or do you know electronic signing for lease documents things like that but it will pull all your financial information in together and it's a great bookkeeping tool for real estate investors who aren't you know familiar with accounting and don't have a, a big background on that um stessa is a really great tool and you can also include all of your uh, documents and save them within stessa too another thing uh for me that was a huge headache and i did not deal well with was um handling tenants and communicating with them and when somebody would call me upset about something or mad about something it really affected me and there was some days where I just could not take it anymore and I would dread every single time the phone rang. So uh, there's a book out there called Hug Your Haters um, by Jay Bear, and it is a customer service based book. And I think this is great for any person that's dealing with customers, clients to read and especially property managers. And the book is basically just kill them with kindness and how to respond and how to, um, be proactive and not even reactive to um, bad feedback, criticism, things like that. Um, and then like tenant disputes, handling those, that was really hard for me. So I think the more you can put into your lease agreement, describing if something happens, this is what happens. And you can always rely on the lease agreement. So you're not having to get into to the middle of it. It's very beneficial too. I love that. And I love having a lease because it just removes you from it. It's less personal. This is the policy or this is part of the lease agreement. I, you're blaming it on that as opposed to blaming it on, well, this is your decision because it does get personal a little bit, or, or at least it feels that way. And, and I've spoken with many property managers who have, who have been through it and I've been through it as well. And, and sometimes we do the, the feelings come in and, and, and you take it personally and it can be hard to, to handle. Um, but those are some great tips for everyone. Now you mentioned selling one of your properties. Do you typically buy and hold? Is this part of your new journey with your new acquisitions coming up? Uh, what, what are your strategies with that? And, and why are you deciding to, to do that? So I've actually sold four uh, properties over the years. So my first one, I actually sold after a year of holding it. And this was at a point in time where I had tripled my portfolio in a year and a half. And I actually had a lot of a little bit of fear, like, wow, I've grown so fast, like maybe I need to slow it down. And I got a, I got overwhelmed with the property management, and everything. So I had a friend that really wanted to buy a property. So I sold him. One of my properties for 10,000 more than I bought it for a year before that. I did seller financing on it. So he paid me 7% interest for a year on it. And it was just, it just, it, it gave me that sense of relief. Like, okay, I slow down a second, take a breath. I still made it, I still got a great deal out of this property. Um, and then last year I decided to sell um, the first ever property that I purchased. And I decided to sell that one because it was my worst cash flowing property. 
I'm gonna cash flowed maybe like $90 a month. And uh, I don't regret it though, because that's still the deal that got me started and got me to, to love real estate. So I sold that one and I made um, a very nice uh, profit on that from the sale. Uh, and then I decided to sell property uh, that I just closed on recently that was um, included in a portfolio. So the golden goose, as the seller called it, was the six unit, but you could only take it if you took his other properties too. So there was one duplex that was slanted. I mean, even the windows were crooked. It was brand new windows in there, but they were crooked because just the structure was so off center. And the, pro the property has just been a headache. Um, I bad tenants in there. And so I, with today's market, I figured this is the time to get rid of it. I bought it for 17,500 and I sold it for 60,000. It sold in three days with four cash offers. So awesome. um, that was, yeah. And it was just, yeah. I, it was the right time to get rid of a, a headache property. It cash flowed great, but it wasn't worth my time, my energy and the headaches that it caused. And then uh, I recently, last year, I bought a, a foreclosure property and it needed a full gut rehab. She had a realtor friend stop by and she gave us this golden number that we, she thought we could sell it for. And so we decided to list it and we ended up selling it. So we call it our accidental uh, flip house. And um, so that should be closing pretty shortly too. That's so exciting. I love it, Ashley. I love how you're open to doing all these different things. And and that's the reality of a real estate investor that I personally found as well, is that I thought I was going to do this one thing. I thought I was going to profit manage my properties forever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, wait a second, I have to sh shift. So now I, then I shifted and I thought mm -hmm. I'm going to have my internal property management forever. And then I shifted and yeah. I'm never going to sell any of my properties. But then I thought, hey, I'm going to do the monopoly, take some of them right. out here and yep. invest it elsewhere. And and it's so important to, to do that. Are you investing only locally? Are you looking outside of your area? as well uh right now i'm just looking locally i'm definitely open to investing out of state especially for a short-term rental but right now um all of my properties are within um probably within the farthest ones probably 45 minutes from my house so all in the south towns of buffalo new york right Oh, that's great. So you're a mom as well, a mom of three. Mm -hmm. uh, you're busy, I'm sure, as, as we are as mothers. How do you balance it? How do you balance the, the work, the properties, uh, acquisitioning, the ongoing training, the podcast, being a mom? How do you find the balance between all that? Because a lot of our listeners here, we struggle with that, right? Find the balance of everything. What would be some strategies that you've implemented to find that balance? Well, if it wasn't for my husband, I'd probably be a horrible mother <laughs> and a wife. He holds it all together for us. Uh, so he has a dairy farm and so he works from home and uh, it's pretty great because, I mean, he has a set time in the morning, he has to milk cows and a set time at night. But other than that, he pretty much can handle whatever uh, the kids need if I'm not available. And I think that having um, his support and having him as their like, Sole caretaker has really, really benefited a lot. Like today, he's at their doctor's appointments with them. So I think um, that we just have a, a great understanding of balancing the kids as to, you know, it's never like, oh, I spent this much time with the kids. I, you know, it's your turn to take them so I can work. Like it's never like that. Right. We both want to spend as much time as possible with the kids. So 
it's we always fight who gets to <laughs> who gets to hang out with them more and the other person go do work but um i and also my mom and his mom they help out a lot so i i would be lying if i say that i can balance it or that i you know make a ton of time for anything i live in chaos i have so many things going on and i really just um I want to live a spontaneous life and be flexible. So for me, um, every day is different. I never have any day that is exactly the same. Uh, once school starts, the only thing that will be the same is that I like to drive my kids to school every single day. And last year, that was a huge mindset shift for me as a kid or as, as a mom was that um, we actually sent our kids to private school last year because of COVID and I had to drive them every day. And I thought to myself, oh, like, I, I can't send them on the bus. I have to drive them every day. Like, what if I need to work or need to do something? And my friend, he drives his kids to, to school every day. And he said to me, I, I'm so lucky. I get to drive my kids to school every day. How many parents have that opportunity? And that was like a huge shift for me. Like, wow, yeah, you're right. Like I get to spend these 20 minutes in the car with my kids. Not a lot of people get that opportunity and I get to do that. So that was like a, a big change for me. So now it's um, my my kind of balances. I do a lot of trips with the kids. So we do a lot of vacations or they come with me on work stuff. And that's when it's like, we're, it's us together and like right. doing whatever they wanna do. Like even if I'm at a, a an event or something, I do what I have to do, like the bare minimum at that event. And then the rest of the time it's like, okay kids, what do you guys wanna do? And we go and do stuff. So. Um, yeah, it's really just having a great support system and then, um, you know, finding those little things in life, like the car rides to school. <laughs> I love that. Ashley, you're so real. I love this because it's so true. And, and those little moments that before and after school, I find that it's always, yeah. if they're having a bad day, that's when they're going to, anyhow, my yeah. kids, anyhow, that's when they're going to tell you. And it's it's so nice to be able to be there. And I love that as well. They say that, hey, sometimes it is chaotic. And and that's kind of often the life as <laughs> entrepreneurs. Yeah, something happens and you have to shift and your schedule gets a little unpredictable at times. But, but it would but be it, boring it, if it wasn't like it that. Is <laughs> yes. Entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. So let's move on, Ashley, to the um, questions of action. I have a couple questions here. Number one, what advice would you give to your younger self? Uh, the first piece would be to um, house hack and to not build um, our, our primary house as soon as we did and to actually, or maybe even build a duplex or something like that. But I regret that we didn't uh, house hack and we just went and built our dream home and um, wasted money on that, I guess. <laughs> but How I wish- How do you feel that would have been different for you if you would have? And maybe define uh, house hack because I know some people are, are, are okay, sure. listening. Yeah, please. Yeah. So house hacking is when you purchase a property to live in it and then you rent it out somehow or you generate income off of that property. So the first thing could be is that you're buying um, a house that has multiple units. So maybe a duplex or a triplex and you're living in one and then you're renting out the other ones. Or it could be you're living in a single family house you're living in one bedroom and then you're renting out the other bedroom. So the goal would be to have your living expenses covered, but also if they're reduced and you're, maybe you're paying, you know, $200 a month to live in a $300,000 house, that's that's not bad at all. Um, I actually helped my sister uh, house hack when she graduated college. We bought a house together and she lived in it. 
And I think really getting to see firsthand the benefits that has been to her. She pays $45 a month to live in a unit that would rent out for $800 a month. And her equity is, uh, she's building up equity in the house by having mortgage pay down. She's getting uh, the tax benefits from it. So I think watching her has really um, made me want to go back and, and do house hacking and see how it's setting her up financially at such a young age that um, if we could take that money that we dumped into our house for the down payment and even, um, rip, you know, the closing costs and even up to we did to it out at the outside, even after we built it. Um, it's like, geez, where could that money have grown if I would have known about real estate investing then and put those into to other properties that money too. Yes, I love that. House hacking is such a good strategy. And especially as a new investor, when you don't have tons of money, this is a great way to start yeah. saving and building that equity. So I love that tip. Um, question number two, what's your number one tip you would give to someone who wants to get started in real estate? Uh, the thing I would say is to, if you can, get paid to get experience. So find a job um, where you're learning about real estate investing, but also getting paid for it. Because that's what I did. I was working as a property manager. I learned so much stuff and I was getting paid for it. Uh, so one thing you could do is be a leasing agent, uh, show apartments, uh, even just on weekends or maybe one night a week, um, you know, property management companies always need leasing agents to show apartments, especially on the weekends when nobody else wants to work. Uh, I met the sheriff one time. He told me he got into real estate investing because when he was in college, he would um, fulfill maintenance requests for an investor in between his classes. So he'd get an, uh, an email in the morning with uh, the maintenance requests for the day, and then he would call and schedule those with the tenants in between his classes, and he'd run and go take care of them and then go to his next class. Uh, so that's a, a great way. And, you know, it seems like such a, a little task inside of a, the big real estate umbrella of things that can be done inside of it. But you're going to get connections. You're going to be able to network. You're going to, you know, have that relationship with that investor or that property management company. Um, especially if you're working for a property management company, you'll get access to see the leasing agreements. You'll get to see how things are handled with tenants. Um, you'll get to look at the the, the properties and see, you know, what kind of units are renting, what aren't, what do people like in them and get to know your market. You can also work for an uh, investor sourcing deals. So you may not get paid a, a base rate or a salary, but you can get paid, you know, a bird dog or a commission or something off of finding and bringing them a deal too. Um, so driving for dollars, um, door knocking, <laughs> sending out mailers, uh, are, are great ways to um, kind of get a get mentored by people in the industry without asking them for their free time. So that's awesome. Ashley, thank you so much. Now I know some of our listeners are going to want to find you. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on the Real Estate Rookie podcast and then also on Instagram at Wellfirm Rentals. And then I'm also on uh, Bigger Pockets. I have a profile there if you just search Ashley Care. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ashley. You were fantastic. It was great seeing you again. And thanks for all the tips. Thank you so much for having me. Ashley, thank you so much for being on my show today. I very much enjoyed our conversation and all the tips that you shared with our listeners. And if you enjoyed this video as well, make sure to give it a thumbs up. To watch other videos just like this one, make sure to check out this next video. I'm Investor Mel and I'll see you there.